Did you know Quebec is the least evangelized community in our country and in the developed world? Christianity has been marginalized, and Quebec is considered a truly secularized state. And did you know that there had been a spiritual surge in the late 60s through the early 70s, or through the late 70s, actually, where people were hungry and interested in the gospel? Well, sadly, that has since petered off. And to further that, the once important Catholic Church continues to be a point from which people choose to stay far away. So what does that mean for our evangelical church? What does it look like for our churches to overcome the many obstacles, and not just from culture and other limitations as well? What is our part as a church in the West? Well, as many of you might know, we have had a partnership with the Alliance Church in Rimouski, Quebec, for a number of years now. And it's been within the last three years where we have really seen some things take root, and after much tension and transition. My guest today is Barry Watley, and many of you will have heard his name here and there in our Quebec Sunday celebrations, in our bulletin prayer items, and in the times where he has visited and been introduced in church, uh, just recently, actually. So I'm happy to say he's here visiting with us, and he is willing to enter into this conversation with us today and just give us a bit of an update and, and a picture of, of what's been going on in the Rimouski Church. He's been serving there um, for the past three years as their transitional pastor. So Barry, welcome. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad to have you. I've really enjoyed mm-hmm. um, our conversations. I've really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit more and more, and I appreciate, um, yeah, I appreciate your effort on on my part as well. Um, mm. And I just am excited about the things that God is using you to do. So how long have you been um, serving in Quebec, not just even at Rimouski, but just in Quebec? Well, I, I went there as a young uh, young man. I was preparing to um, to work cross-culturally and, and want to learn French, and that was much on my heart. And so I decided to, to go there as a student in 1980, many years ago. And uh, I went to the Quebec City, Laval University campus, and uh, that was my first experience in Quebec. And I happened to, to arrive there at a time when uh, God was really working, and I was on, involved in the campus ministry there. And we saw, we saw people come to Christ uh, um, every week that whole year I was there, it was really phenomenal. So that was my first experience in Quebec. And then I, I came back out west where I'm from, and, and um, I um, finished my th- theological studies, married Lori, and then went back to Quebec as a young pastor in the mid-'80s, 1986. I started there as a pastor in a church in Montreal. Okay, wow. Well, so you had mentioned that you had been um, in Quebec previously, and I know from even just conversations between I, you had been in France, was that correct? Yeah, I'd had, so I had my first sort of French experience after a year of Bible college and went to what was called Alliance Youth Corps at the time. So I went to France in 1979 for a summer, for six weeks, seven weeks, and uh, was part of our Alliance churches there and, and realized the spiritual needs in the French-speaking world. Uh, they call it the Francophone world. And so that was that was a real eye-opener for me. Hmm. And... Um, so that sort of launched me on my desire to, to learn French and to, to serve um, the French-speaking, uh, French-speaking world. So that began in 79, and then the year in, in Quebec in 1980 was really the, the turning point for me. Okay, so what, what about, you know, some of those particular, you know, instances, those specific, or those, those experiences that you had, what, what was it about those experiences that drew you, that continued to draw you? Like there's... Mm-hmm. There's an interest. I know that you, you know, you grew up in rural Alberta, and then all of a sudden you're in France and now serving in Quebec. And I, I know there are pieces to that story, and so I, I'd yeah. love for the listeners to have a chance to hear about well, some I, of those I, specifics. You know, I was, I was 
quite the country bumpkin, actually, when I went to France that summer, for <laughs> sure. Um, and, you know, it was it was quite a cultural culture shock for me uh, to arrive in France. And but also to see, you know, we visited the evangelical church there and we were part of some youth events, even when we were there, my, a friend and I. And um, I really saw the, the spiritual needs um, and kind of the alienation and the hardness of heart and and that was my experience in France. And I, I really came back sobered, I guess, uh, realizing, you know, the spiritual battle, the spiritual challenge there in, in, in France. And then when I got to Quebec um, a year and a bit later. Um, it was really a time of revival. It was a time when God was working in powerful ways in Quebec. And we can talk more about that too. But it was, um, and in many ways, you know, the Quebecois, the French, French Canadians are, very different culture from the French. They're very much more down to earth. Um, they tend to be, um, you know, the, we've heard about the joie de vivre, you know, the joy of living. And and so the Québécois are, are, I found them very winsome as a culture, very, very approachable, very warm, inviting, uh, hospitable. And that was my experience in Quebec at, at that, for that year I was there. And it really, and I saw also maybe more, more of an affinity with my own personality as well. And um, was very welcomed there, and and realized God had given me this ability to speak the language and to and to learn the language well. So that also kind of created an, uh, a pathway for me there. So yeah, and I think that year that I was in Quebec, and I, I saw the spiritual openness, and I saw the the hunger for God. Um, one thing different between France and Quebec is that there's a lot of atheism atheism in France in in continental Europe in in general. Whereas in, in Quebec, that wasn't their history so much. I mean, mm-hmm. there was a, there really was a rupture with the Catholic Church, um, but there wasn't a, a break with God so much. And so there was still a spiritual hunger. There was an openness to, to talk about spiritual things. And, and so we, I found that, you know, there was, there was a great openness at the time. Um, I mean, I, I was part of a, of a, a weekend retreat, actually, with, uh, with the campus ministry I was part of when I was in Quebec that year. And honestly, it was it was one of the most exciting things I'd ever experienced. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was there was over a hundred kids there, young people there like me, and and half of them weren't Christians. And but there's just such there was such a hunger for God, and the speaker was a, an amazing communicator and uh, French-speaking man actually. And it was it really uh, it was very riveting to see how God was working there. And I think that's what sowed in my heart really the seed to come to come back to Quebec and to be involved in what God was doing there. So yeah, that was uh, that was my, I guess, a couple highlights of my experience. Yeah, well, that's significant. You know, like you're, you're very present in, in in these things where God is at work, and it's hard not to want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And so, what a neat, you know, what a neat clarification on on a call or or vision or you know direction. I just think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. So as you, you that was in the early '80s. Um, Correct. Yeah, that was in the early '80s. How um, how has it been since you know that that surge and that mm-hmm. that openness? Um, and could you just give us an idea? This is a little bit of history, and quite honestly, listeners, I find it mm-hmm. fascinating because um, when we get to to how it is today in our in the current situation in Quebec, I just I find it fascinating that there is actual spiritual history. And so, Barry, mm-hmm. can you just kind of Walk us through that a little bit um, from then till now to give us a kind of a glimpse that there is that there are some roots that there has been a desire, um, but 
you know, now what does it look like now? Well, yeah, it, it's, it really is a fascinating history, and it's something I think a lot of us as Canadians aren't aware of, that uh, from the, the late 60s really to really Expo 67, they see it as a turning point in Quebec, a real mm-hmm. openness to the gospel that began there. So as the, as the Quebecois or the French Canadians were, were um, uh, I guess, had a, a certain frustration toward the Catholic Church, there was there was an exodus from the church, but there really was, as I mentioned, a hunger for God, mm-hmm. and and so the evangelical church and there were there were missionaries there, there were others there who were who were um, like on the on the university campuses for one thing, and um, and they really found that there was a, a great openness to the gospel, like openness to study the Bible, to learn about God, and um, you know they they say that over that from from the late 60s to the early 80s, there was over 10,000 um, Quebecois that came to Christ over that over that 10-year, 10-year, 12-year span. Well, that's incredible because I honestly don't know if what, what we would say to that out here, like if we would have anything that, yeah. you know, that particular, that exact. That's incredible. Yeah, over 1,000 people a year yeah. coming to Christ. I mean, it was, I think it is, as, as maybe as revivals go or as, as breakthroughs go in, in Canadian history, that was, it was mm-hmm. really unprecedented. And so... It, and so the the foundation or the seeds of the evangelical, evangelical church were were um, you know were sown then uh, in the 70s and 80s, and I, I was privileged to be sort of a part of that or to see that experience that when I was there as a young student in 1980. Um, and but that was and and even those Christians who study it and say, well, what happened sort of sociologically, spiritually, that you know, sort of 10 years later, sort of early 1990s. There was a there was an overall recognition that the same spiritual openness was no longer there. Um, so, you know, so the baby boomer generation, you know, the the uh, those the post war generation, um, they were the ones who who you know experienced sort of the the break with the Catholic Church, and there was an openness to the gospel, openness to Christianity in, in other forms at that time, but. There was when, when once they got into the evangelical church and maybe saw some of the some of the weaknesses and maybe the failure failure to really adapt the church culturally to the Quebec context. There's many many things that could be looked at there, but there really was um, a cooling off. Uh, not only uh, so the these young Christians get into the into the evangelical church and they maybe have some negative experiences, and and so there was a, a cooling off toward the church, and then. There was also a, in the in the broader society. There was also a more of a suspicion that seemed to be toward other other movements, uh, you know, toward the Jehovah's Witnesses and also toward the evangelicals. So there was a, a greater suspicion growing in Quebec culture toward other movements, um, and and that really grew. Um, you, you really notice it on the u- university campuses, for example, that that openness among the student population in the early '80s when I was there. Just when when they got to the early '90s, it was no longer there. And mm. today, for example, on the university campuses, um, the only students, almost 90, 95 percent of the students that are involved in campus ministries now are are international mm. students. There's very very few Quebecois, French Canadians, who who are really responding to campus ministry now. Uh, so so there's been a real a really cooling off that way. And and I think it's a challenge as well to say well. Maybe it's our how do we present the gospel? How do we communicate the, with this new generation, with uh, the new generations that have come since then? 
And so, yeah, there's, there's, it's hard to really put a finger on. There's no one reason. There's probably many reasons. Right. Um, there was also a, uh, you know, sort of the, I guess the secularization and uh, economic growth, those things which can h- sort of turn people away from their spiritual hunger were also a, a big part of what happened in the 80s and 90s. And that some say that was also what cooled people off spiritually. So the evangelical church in general, even though it grew rapidly in the 70s and 80s, it really leveled off in the, toward the end of the 80s and the, and the early 90s. And then it even dropped um, in the 90s and to about 2010. And then they saw a bit of a resurgence, a bit of a, a growth from 2010 on, but mostly because of new Quebecers that come in, uh, new Canadians that come in from, from Africa, from Haiti, and and th- sort of the, and this population, this new demographic has come in and has really helped bolster our evangelical churches throughout the province, especially in the urban centers. Yeah, so. that's so interesting. Uh, it's so interesting. I just the first thing that came to my mind was compounded disillusionment. Yeah, interesting, yeah. You know, like with you know whatever happened with the Catholic Church, and then there's still a, an openness for spiritual things and. You know, you get disillusioned um, with you know with expectations, and I think I think that happens to Christians all over the place. But yeah, just these these continued things, um, you know, all, all of these factors contributing mm-hmm. to this disillusionment. I'm not saying that's the that's the key reason, but in some ways it makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, depending on you know, especially if that break was difficult. You know, and then there's pain and and those kinds of things yeah. wrapped up in whatever that had looked like, but. Now maybe your your listeners would have heard of Reginald Bibby, who is a sociologist who studied the growth of of religion, uh, the loss, growth, and 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 loss of growth, I guess, in the in the Canadian context. But he he he, he traced the fact that the baby boomer generation, um, there was a, a a disillusionment, a loss of that generation uh, in terms of church going, and and we've experienced that across Canada, uh, and it was it was. It was strong in Quebec, uh, strongest in Quebec actually, but the rest of Canada experienced in the in the 90s and the 2000s mm-hmm. experienced a, a recovery that the baby boomers started to come back to church, and everywhere in Canada except in Quebec, huh. where there was no return to the church, um, Catholic church or any any church okay. of, of any of any kind, and so it's it's interesting to see that there, you know, even though there's, the Quebec is very unique that way in the sense that. Uh, the church, all churches of all stripes, have have really lost ground, um, and it's it's a you know the Catholic Church recognizes as well. I mean, there was I just read a, a book by some Catholic theologians and and, and ministry leaders, and their, the whole question of the book was, well, who's going to do something new? Because they realize we have to do something new in Quebec because we're just not we're just losing ground. Hmm. And I, and I think it's true for the evangelical church as well, like mm. how we need to think about doing something new and doing things, thinking about the church in new ways and evangelism in new ways if we're going to reach the, the new generation and, and the Quebecois population. So Yeah, those are certainly, those are certainly good questions. And, and I think in a lot of ways, I think even our church is asking those questions sure. and, um, you know, and trying to find creative solutions and, mm-hmm. you know, to That's figure right. that, out, That's right, yeah. that stuff out. So, so as we look at Rimouski, you know, Listeners, for those of you who don't know, Rimouski is is a small city. It's uh, about six hours from Montreal in the Gaspé area. So it's just it 
it runs along the St. Lawrence. It's actually a very beautiful little city and in a very beautiful part of our country. So what what does this look like in Ramuski? What is the what is the spiritual context mm-hmm. um, for our church in Ramuski these days? Yeah, well, a little, little bit of history. So, so actually, an Alliance missionary um, had a um, evangelist had a great vision for for reaching that area back in the seventies when when uh, this you know this groundswell of interest in in the gospel was was there. And uh, he he went with his young family to Rimouski and began doing evangelism with others, and they had crusades and and they saw people come to Christ in the early 70s, and um, it was uh, it was really exciting. I mean, it, I've got friends from that that time actually who came to Christ in that in the in the 70s there, and 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 still are some of my best friends. But it really was an amazing time. Like there was there was such an openness to the gospel, and so even even Rimouski, which which was you know a long ways from we joke a little bit, long ways from civilization, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, but it, w- it became really an, an important center, and uh, there was a real a good response to the gospel. I've got some pictures from that time when, you know, some of the first baptisms in the river there, and and um, yeah, and, and there's actually one fellow in our church who uh, named Lucien who was who became a believer in 1973, and he's still with us in the church, and you know has a long long history of. It'll be 50 years, right, of of his uh, of his faithfulness to the church there. So, so yeah, it's, it, it was wonderful, and and there was a vision at that time to see, um, really, a, because Ramuski was in many ways a doorway to that whole region. It was the sort of the urban center, you know, political center, um, health, um, um, economic center as well for the whole region. So, so it really is a critical um, center in many ways, and. Uh, and so the, there really was a vision to see the church planted there, and they were able to purchase a, a property. And, and w- what's fascinating is that, is that you know, Alliance people, people from all across Canada were part of that vision. And uh, the vision was back in the—it was a taste de café pour la Gaspé, so a, a cup of coffee for the Gaspé was the, was the, the tagline, right? And so they, they had people just donate, you know, a dollar for, for this project. And— and several hundred thousand dollars were actually raised uh, back in the 70s to help build this church in Ramuski. And so it was, yeah, it was really a, uh, an exciting time. And, and so they were able to purchase this property. It was a, was a, had been an, a small little Protestant church had been on this property. And, and they were able to, to build a, a, a great building there, which uh, I actually visited when I was there in 1980. And uh, so, and there was a real vision to see this church become sort of a training center and a evangelism center for the whole region. So, so there, there's some some really great um, roots there, some great history there for the church. And so, but you know, I would say at the same time as I've talked about the rest of of Quebec history and and the evangel- some of the challenges the church faced. So the challenge, so the Ramuski Church also faced those challenges. And maybe compounded as well by the fact that because it was a, a, it was a long ways from the major centers, so you always see an exodus from, you know, sort of from, you know, people aren't going to stay in Prince George. I'm sorry if they're, if you're, for those who live in Prince George. They're <laughs> going to come to, you know, I think gonna, they understand. <laughs> you know, they're going to come to the Lower Mainland, right? Um, but, you know, in, in, in many ways, people left Ramuski. You know, you'd always you'd go to the larger centers for work, professional opportunities, for education. So, so the church was always 
sending its people um, to different, and so that affected the church in terms of its stability and its ability to grow, and 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 so that was one factor. Another factor might have been, you know, just um, maybe a, a, a less openness in the broader population to the gospel, um, and then maybe combine that with with some disillusionment that Christians faced, uh, some conflict perhaps, um, and and so all these factors kind of combined different times, maybe a little bit like a perfect storm at times, that, that really hindered the church's growth and uh, led to some times of crisis and um, in the history of the church. And, but there was always a remnant that was preserved, which, yeah. was, which is part of the great, part, the great part of the story. And even though, you know, four years ago we went through a difficult time in the church, but, you know, what we really, I rejoiced in is that the people that were faithful through that time um, and who committed themselves to say we, we really we really believe this church has a future. Um, you know we're going to stay true to this church even though you know it's it's not a, it's not in a good place right now. And so I came in and began to help um, uh, and as a transitional leader there, and really watched the the church sort of regain its footing and. And so that's been a it's been part of the the story there. Yeah, I I love that. Um, I, you had shared again. This isn't a previous conversation, but you had shared, and I'm, I might get some of these numbers wrong, so please correct me. Um, there's there's I think what four churches in mm-hmm. Ramuski, and uh, with a, about a grand total of 500 people that fill all of these churches combined on a Sunday so, morning. On a Sunday morning, and so and the city is 55, 50,000 50, 50, yeah. people. And so that's a just a really small percentage yeah. of you know people if you if you want to look at numbers and so here we have this faithful remnant in mm-hmm. our church in Ramuski and you've been just serving so diligently. Um, I don't know if you can get a more relational guy than Barry who mm-hmm. just it's is committed. I know there's lots of people that are committed. I'm going to get myself in trouble here, but um, just the diligence in which he has pursued these relationships with with the people that he can um, has just been really quite amazing to, to be praying for and to, you know, to hear updates on. So Barry, could you um, just share with us a little bit more about some of the things that, that you have addressed in this church, uh, the people that you've been working Mm -hmm. specifically with? I know that you've been serving as a transitional pastor, um, but much of that has had to be remotely because a lot of this had happened, you know, through COVID. And Mm -hmm. so, um, if you wouldn't mind sharing a little bit about some of the people that God has raised up and the specific work that you've been doing mm-hmm. um, in ways that you've been leading in the, in the last number of years. Yeah, well, I think one of the things that uh, during the, the time when the former pastor uh, resigned and it was, the church wasn't in a good place, and you know, I, I was invited to come in and, and help um, the church get its footing, regain its footing, um, you know, my focus was in a couple of key areas. First of all, was just to really work with the leadership and and help them sort of regain hope and and vision for the church and its future. So my first first role was really to work with them. And and I think once we maybe the first six months of of just some really heart heart to heart, some you know a lot of tears flowed during that time as well for the group. But really felt that we were work things through and, and just were ready to move to the next stage. And we, we began a kind of a, a revisioning process with the church and thinking about, well, you know, who has God given us and, and what does God want for us as a church? And, 
So we began a process with a really co- good core group of people, and we began to uh, to really think about you know what is how has God blessed us as a church, um, you know what are what are some of the treasures God's given us, um, what's what's our heart for the future, uh, how do we see the church growing over the next five to ten years, you know what would our, some of our dreams be for the church. So we went through a really wonderful process with the with this core group of 12 to 15 people which is a which is a good percentage of the you know uh, probably 20 to 30 percent of the adults and you know about 30 or 40 adults in the church so so it was really a a a key a key time and 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 through that we really gained um um i would say a common vision and and a heart for the church and we're able to translate that into a strategic plan and and uh uh, a new vision for the church, and 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 there really was a rising up and say, hey, we we believe that God has a great future for the church, and so that was that was part of the process. And I think one of the thing another thing that I saw over this these three years is that God really brought us some key people uh, into the church as well, and that was part of His sovereignty. You know, resource people that that can really help us, and and young families. You know, a church without young families is you know doesn't have a a really uh, great future, but when you have young families, you know the children remind you that there's a future for the church, right? And so we've got you know several young families, many young families in the church, which is a, a real blessing. And and yeah, and so we've seen you know um, excitement, encouragement around the new vision, and uh, sort of a rising up and, and involvement of, of many people. So it's been a yeah, there's been a real mobilization that's it's palpable and it's exciting in the church for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, I just, I just get excited listening to this stuff, and I've I've heard some of these details, you know, a few times over the last few days, and and I just, I just, it's contagious because I there is hope, mm-hmm. and and there's there's good things ahead. You talked a little bit about, um, you know, some of the revisioning, and uh, could you share with us a little bit more about some of those specifics and mm-hmm. and the like the work that you've been doing in that area and, and what it's going to look like to implement them. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the direction of the church? Well, we, we, we put together a new vision statement. I might as well, I'll, I'll read it for you. Uh, By faith, we see ourselves becoming a healthy church, well-structured and based on the Word of God, having a transforming impact on our community and on the world. Mm-hmm. We see ourselves becoming a church full of Christians who are well-established in their faith and committed to demonstrating the love of God in such winsome ways that those around us can't help but take notice. And, you know, so that sort of the, uh, encapsulates our, our heart of what we, saw, mm-hmm. we see happening in the future. And, and so we had, we had five sort of key strategic points there. So the first one is centering, having our eyes on Jesus, his word, and his mission. Uh, so that's the, the, the main strategic anchor, centering and then caring cultivating authentic and deep relationships with one another, uh, structuring. We saw really the importance of, of, of having a, a solid organizational structure for the church and a strong leadership structure, a better oversight for our ministry. So that was another priority that we saw. Um, the growing priorities so encouraging spiritual growth and life of prayer, uh, the teach, uh, teaching and, and, and spiritual uh, discipleship. Um, and then our, our final, our fifth uh, strategic anchor was really sh- shining or sharing the beauty and the power of the gospel around us and and you know that idea of of demonstrating and proclaiming the love of God around us and 
And I think one of the things that we see with evangelical churches in general in Quebec, and maybe not just in Quebec, but people need to know that we love them and care for them. And, you know, that most people don't like being preached at, right? Right, I don't think right. I know anybody who does, actually. But uh, <laughs> I think when the when the, the love of God is demonstrated, not just spoken, it needs to be spoken and demonstrated. I see that as the two hands of the gospel, or gospel and word and deed. Um, it can really have an impact. And I know that, you know, we're really committed to that. Um, there's a great um, a great project that's been, the church has been involved in for many years where they prepare these backpacks uh VIP project VIP where they prepare these backpacks for kids uh, underprivileged kids in the in the city and uh, it's been a great testimony but it's really love in action right it's really and there's a network of over 100 families right that we're helping out through this and not just us but with other churches as well the other main church in the in the town as well so so I think that idea of of the gospel and word indeed of 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 really seeing you know the church gain enough momentum to to move beyond uh the needs of the church to the lar- larger community is something that is much on our hearts as well yeah that is just that is just so wonderful and so this vision casting process i know you held you had held workshops mm-hmm. and and seminars on that and so had quite a bit of engagement from so this this the document that you were reading from wasn't just crafted by you know, a handful of no, people. No, it was. Yeah, we had. I mean, I've I've participated. I've led uh, a number of churches through uh, this kind of a process. But uh, this is by far the most exciting for me to see the involvement and the participation. And there were two two young women actually in the congregation who who really helped us craft it. I mean, they were the the wordsmiths and and you know the the ones who could could put it together in a winsome way and and uh, sort of paint the picture for us I mean there was there was just great participation and um, and everybody felt like hey we're we've, we're part of this this yeah. is our this is our vision it wasn't something that sort of came from outside yeah. or, but it really grew up from from within the church and 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 I think that that created also that I guess I would say that groundswell of support and excitement about the future as well so. yeah yeah no I love that I love that and so so as we look with you to the to the future and and I know that you're transitioning mm-hmm. out from your role as a you know as a transitional pastor could you could you talk to us a little bit about some of you know the very specific steps that mm-hmm. that this church is taking to walk in you know walk this vision out mm-hmm. well I guess the most exciting thing is I remember as I as I worked at training elders and raising up leaders for the church which is which was another one of my priorities uh, central priority actually um, uh, my question was well who's going to mentor who's going to lead this group of elders right so that was that was a big question for me and and you know god and god bless us with a young couple in the church well younger couple compared to me but uh <laughs> um uh so reuben and his wife jessica and and they moved to the to the community um about four four years ago now um and because her aging parents and they wanted to be near to them and and reuben's trained as a pastor like he he's trained as a uh, had had experience in church planting, had had rich pastoral experience and um, theological training, and so you know he he came to Ramuski um, really to you know to to be part of the needs of his wife's family and you know and and worked you know at a at a job that wouldn't be his choice, uh, but 
just needing to provide for the needs of his family, but they really felt God leading them, calling them to be part of our Ramuski church. And um, and so bit by bit, he got more involved. He began more to be more involved in teaching, and his pastoral gifts were increasingly appreciated in the congregation as well. And, and for me as a tr- transitional pastor and looking at the needs of the church, I thought, well, we have a pastor right in the church right now. Let's would it be possible for him to be to move into that role and so bit by bit i began to talk to him about that possibility and realize that it's on his heart it was on his heart as well he didn't really see how it could work but was very open to to seeing whether it, it could be part of their future and 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 i but I, my prayer was that the rest of the congregation would see that too i, I didn't want to come in with a with a plan you know right right <laughs> and uh, so and so over time, they really did see that, like his, mm-hmm. his leadership and um, his gifts and his pastoral heart, those things were increasingly appreciated in the church. And so, and, and people started to say, well, he could be, he could be our next pastor. And, and that didn't come from me, that came from within the church. And, and so we've really seen these things come together. And, and so, you know, and, and, you know, as, you know the different pieces of the puzzle are are, are come falling into place, and and you know our plan is for him to move into a, a pastoral role in the near future. Um, so so yeah, and, and there's excitement around that, and there's you know there's some hurdles to jump through yet, but uh, but we really see uh, we really see God's hand, we see God moving in this direction, and and uh, it's very exciting. Yeah, it it is very exciting. Um, you've alluded to a few, you know, he's had you know, training and, and some experience. And as you look at, you know, this vision that has been crafted by, you know, a, a good chunk of the congregation who are invested, what, in what ways is bringing um, Ruben on a good move? Like, how is, how is he a good person and a good fit Yeah, as you see it? Well, um, I think he's, one of the things I really appreciate about Ruben is that he's a well, he's kind of a gentle giant. He's like six foot three or four or something like that too. So he's very tall, but <laughs> but uh, um, but he has um, uh, you know he was well, his wife Jessica was actually more part of the process than than he was, but he was there too. But uh, he really shares that that vision. Like mm-hmm. he you know we he you know the church has really participated in this crafting of our new strategic plan or a vision, and he he sees his his role in, in terms of of helping that 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 plan really takes shape and and we see that you know his involvement uh would also enable us to move you know his his time and energies given would help the church move forward in evangelism which is a big piece of what we like many of our other priorities we've been working on we've seen some good steps but we realize that the the shining or the in french we say briller the the whole aspect of the church you know shining having an impact in the community that's something that that hasn't really been a, a, a front a front burner priority for us, but we realize that his his leadership will really help us move in that mm-hmm. direction as well, more more intentionally. So that's that's a big piece. But but just to provide that anchor for the church as well. Like I know that you know, my vision of spiritual leadership in a church it's it's like it's the the gravitational center of a church, and and when that's strong, then ministries and people you know find their orbit around that that center and I and I I believe that with his leadership with the elders um, it'll really provide that anchor Um, one of my one of my wasn't wasn't a misgiving but one of my disappointments 
I couldn't have been different, I guess, in some ways because I was far away. I, I never lived in Rimouski. I'd travel there occasionally to help out and do a lot by Zoom. Um, it was that I really couldn't have a pastoral role in the church. I was, you know, to be a pastor, you got to walk with the sheep, right? <laughs> so yeah. it really wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't workable for me and it was hard. It was, it was kind of against the grain of my leadership in some ways to not be able to have that role. But, but I think with Reuben and with pastoral leadership present in the church, um, it really provides that, that pastoral presence, I think, that will really anchor the church and provide that stability and structure for the church that's needed for the future. Yeah, yeah, that's really, I mean, gosh, it, all of this is just exciting to me. Um, so as you look at the church as it is now, you've got this lovely, lovely, vibrant group of mm -hmm. people, from what it sounds like, yeah, you know, that sure. have been crafting all these things that are keen, um, but just really have needed the leadership, mm -hmm. um, you know, to continue to move forward. I know that the church building um, is paid, Mm -hmm. That's correct, right? Yeah, that. that's so right. they've got they've got this building free and clear. Um, they're situated so well in well. in their yeah. community. What what are some other strengths that, as we understand this church? What are some other strengths that they that they currently possess right now for mm -hmm. you know for this really really neat moment in their history? Well, yeah, I think location, location, location is yeah. one thing, right? <laughs> um, because the other evangelical church, which is the, the larger church actually in the in the city, um, is like way on the outskirts of town, right? <laughs> and and it's like the Rimouski Church; it's it's right there. So it really is like a city on a hill. Like it's it's on a it's on a hill and overlooking the the St. Lawrence, overlooking yeah. the the city. Is there a school nearby too? Like is yeah, there's a school. It's across the is road. Is it right across and, the road? Yeah, and you know they use our parking lot, you know, as well. <laughs> okay. But but it's you know there's there's that I think it's situated well. Um, even the, the the community around the church is a is sort of a key investment area. Like there's lots of lots of families, lots of needs in the community around the church, um, and you know a, a great place to start. Um, and I think we we do have that network of families as well that we've helped out with the project VIP with the with the backpacks for school. So there are, there already is some some good tracks laid for that for that. Um, yeah, and I think that, you know, there's 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 real potential there, um, you know, for the church to, to to have a great impact. I mean, I think one of the things that we've seen in Ramuski in general is that it there is a there's a real spiritual battle there as well, though. And I I know that that you know breakthroughs um, in terms of people coming to Christ and and maybe some of the, some of the barriers toward the faith, the Christian faith that would fall. You know, that's those those barriers aren't going to be uh, overcome just easily. You know, it's going to be a battle, and and so I think that that's that's part of the challenge as well um, of reaching that that city. Um, but you know, I, I just think you know God can save either by many or by few, right? Right, right, of course. <laughs> and I and I think in some ways the Evangelical Church in Quebec and Ramouski specifically is. Is well is well situated because we realize well if something great happens we can never take credit for it because uh, you know we're we're so small and insignificant seemingly right <laughs> it has to be God who does it so so I think uh, we're in we're in uh, we're well positioned for for God to do great things yeah yeah I love I love that attitude you know the way that they approach that I mean that's I just I. I've had the chance to meet just you know a few of them and I'm I'm pretty sure that I am a blip in their radar. Um, but 
I just get really thrilled when I hear about, you know, small groups of people who just Mm -hmm. are committed and you can't underestimate a group of people like that. And, you know, as I revisit, you know, the points of, you know, the vision that has been cast and the very intentional goals and objectives um, that, that bring definition to these, these priorities. Mm -hmm. I just, I just, you know, I know that I don't want to be the messenger of doom, but you know, anything can happen. But I just think, you know, if if you've got people focused on these things and Mm -hmm. you've got structure now in place because this church has, has been officially recognized as a church now Mm -hmm. because they have um, a certain amount of elected elders, which is three. And Benoit and Genevieve were just here a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Lepage and they stood up in church and they, FYI they are lovely people who <laughs> who love the Lord who pursue him who seek him on behalf of the church oh, yeah. and these are the kinds of people that are in leadership in here and so I can't help but think like what what is going to happen like I'm excited about the things that we're going to see in here and yeah this they've been on a long road and we've been on a road Mm -hmm. with them. And this is why we do long-term investments is Mm -hmm. because you see the way that God is at work. And sometimes you, you just don't know, like sometimes you can only see barely past your nose, Mm -hmm. but then, then you get these glimpses into the amazing work that he has been doing. Um, Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you see these things pop up, like, like these elders, like this group of people, Mm -hmm. like Barry, um, you know, like the, the administration at the St. Lawrence district who, you know, did the work to finding Barry Mm -hmm. and, and appropriating that. And, you know, people in our church who have, who have been giving and praying, like, it's just really neat to see some of these things come together in these, Mm -hmm. in these moments in time. Um, And I think it just Mm -hmm. gives me a whole lot of hope for the future because God's work happens through his church. Mm -hmm. And I would say too that, you know, one of the things that's really struck me is, you know, there really is an awareness um, among the elders and, and, and the key stakeholders in the church that, you know, this, our partnership with uh, the Chilliwack Church is really significant. Like it's, I think what many of us watched the, sort of the Quebec Sunday when you had the presentation here and, you know, and, and tracked with, with, uh, you know, with, uh, with the presentation that was done. And, and we really felt honored. We really felt honored, you know, that that we would be, would have this kind of place and and priority for, for Christians that are a long ways away. You know, <laughs> uh, just uh, just ask Benoit how big the country is. He actually drove across the he country did. to get here. <laughs> so <We're> crazy, <laughs> they had crazy weather. Yeah. Oh so, my goodness. but I but I you know I think we're there's that awareness too that. You know, and you know, Paul talked about that quite a bit. You know, that when he, especially with the Philippian church, you know, that your partnership mm-hmm. in the gospel, and 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 uh, and he was aware of the fact that you know he was he needed the Philipp- Philippian church, right? And and he said, you know, because of your prayers and the help of the Holy Spirit, you know, this will work out. You know, God will be glorified, and I and I am and we're re- really aware of that. Like I, Jean Philippe, I hope you can meet Jean Philippe someday. He's one of the elders as well in the mm-hmm. church, but. He's been really moved by that. It's the first time he's really seen a kind of that kind of a partnership, even though he's been a, in the evangelical world his whole life. You know, just to be aware of the fact that there's a church that cares about us, that prays for us, that's a partner with us. You know that, and and that's a long ways away from us. <laughs> you know that 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 really has meant a lot, and and I think the the awareness of that and the appreciation of that is is deep in the congregation. 
So thank you on their oh. behalf. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And I just, I praise God because, you know, at the end of the day, I really do believe that we need each other. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes like in any relationship, um, there's more weight on one side than the other. And I don't mean that in a negative way or a big brother kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes that's just how it is. And, and if we don't, if we don't do these things to help each other out, then, then we lose too, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. we, we definitely lose if there's no church in Ramuski. Mm-hmm. And so I am really thankful that, you know, that we can bear some of the weight with you guys, um, mm-hmm. And, and let you know that you're not alone mm-hmm. because you're not. Um, I think that's important. That's important for our growth, too. That's important, too, for our experience mm-hmm. with the Lord. And sometimes we don't realize that because, again, it's easy to just look in your own spheres, right? Mm-hmm. But, but when we really sit down and think about it, like we, are, we could impact and are impacted by each other. Yeah, it's true. And, yeah. and so um, I really believe that. And so I think we're going we're gonna to wrap it up here. Um, I know, Barry, you had mentioned some challenges um, for, you know, our church in Ramuski. Um, you've also shared greatly about how they're poised mm-hmm. um, for some significant opportunities. And so, listeners, if you are called to pray, um, think about some of these things. You know, maybe press rewind on your, you know, your podcast, whatever, and, and have a listen again to, to some of the things that Barry has said, because there's a lot there's a lot of good stuff in here and ways, ways to pray. It's a challenging environment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a secular place. Uh, it's a hard place to be a Christian. And at the same time, they've got really neat ministry opportunities through children and families, mm-hmm. um, business owners who also participate in this backpack project. Um, there's the potential for a new pastor to come on. And there's, you know, there's mm-hmm. some, not hiccups, but there's some, some things that you need, you know, process that needs to take place. Yeah. And so, in the in the again in the middle of some of the challenges that this church is facing there is great hope for mm-hmm. for their future there is great hope for the gospel and and i think mm-hmm. that they are coming to realize that and mm-hmm. and so listeners i i hope that you are praying when you're here at the church we have a missions wall and i just i encourage you to hit that up there's a picture actually of the church on the missions wall, this giant canvas. Well, it's not giant, giant, but it's a decent-sized canvas. So check it out. So you just have a frame of reference. And we've also got some prayer cards up there that I would love for you to take and and start praying over Quebec because in the near future, I don't know what near means anymore, folks. You know, COVID totally wrecked my definition of near. (laughs) Um, But um, we, again, we want to go visit. We want them to come to Mm -hmm. us. Um, We want this to continue to be this really neat relationship. So I'm going to wrap it up there again. Folks, this is Holly Duke, and I've been with Barry Watley. And um, I think that's all I have for today. So we'll see you when we see you. Cheers. God bless.